You are listening to Booch News with Ian Griffin, a podcast all about kombucha. I'm on the phone today with Sophia from Kombuco in Munich, Germany. Hello, Sophia. How are you? Hi, Ian. I'm good. How are you? Great. So when did you get the idea for opening a kombucha company and, and what's the little sort of history of how long ago did you start and, and where are you making your kombucha these days? Well, how it all started was by reading a blog post that a friend of mine put out and she was recommending some books that she loved and one of them was about kombucha and something kind of piqued my interest and I thought, oh, kombucha, you know, I, I know this drink from my mum. My husband knows it from his mum and we just know it as this slightly vinegary, weird thing floating in a jar on top of our mother's fridges. It didn't taste very nice. It was a bit vinegary and not fizzy. So it was something we were given by the shot that is down as a health drink. And after reading this blog article, I thought, oh, there must be something to to this whole thing. And I Googled and I realized it was a massive trend in the U.S. I realized it was just coming into Europe. And that's when the idea kind of popped into my head. And I thought, well, isn't that a business option for us? Because my husband and I were looking for a business opportunity because we wanted to work together we wanted to leave sort of the old corporate working world to start a business that's sort of sustainable and fun and a bit more meaningful than what we did before so that's when we kind of saw the opportunity to just do this together so when are you talking about? What, what year was this when you got the idea and read the blog post? I read the blog post in 2017, and uh, we ordered a SCOBY online. We booked a flight to London and hooked up with some kombucha brands there, and they were all super helpful. They showed us around their premises. Uh, Jar Kombucha did Adam from Jar. He was just massively helpful, and he still is to this day. And we also hooked up with some other brands, and everybody was really friendly and happy to share their experiences and their knowledge. And it was just an amazing vibe, and it just felt like it was a kombucha family, and we just loved it. We loved that it wasn't like an elbowy type industry, but it was quite inclusive and friendly. So as well as going to London, did you also look uh, for kombucha brewers that you could uh, learn anything from in Germany? Absolutely, we did. And what we, who we found was Ted from Barbucha in Berlin. He is running kombuchas or I think even yeah, Berlin's first kombucha brewery. And uh, his knowledge is amazing. And he's, he's, I would just call him the master of kombucha. What he does is he just makes this most amazing kombucha by using only tea. He doesn't use any flavorings or juices or anything. He just uses really high-quality, high-grade tea, and he brews this really delicate, delicious, unfiltered, absolutely amazing kombucha. And uh, they took a whole day to talk to Andreas and I, and we learned a lot, and it's it's amazing with how much generosity they share their knowledge to this day. I mean, when we run into trouble, he's 
one of the first people we we speak to we'll speak to him we'll speak to adam and it's it's really great to have people we can reach out to when we run into trouble because even though we are quite seasoned these days we do still run into trouble and um, it's just great to have a network to fall back onto yeah so so explain a little more so you you, you went to visit companies like jar and i've seen adam at the uh, the video they made of the um, kombucha summit in berlin which i understand you're at he was very helpful explaining how his company started there so you came back to munich where you're based and from what was the process of actually becoming commercially uh, viable? Did you brew a few gallons at home first and then switch to commercial, or did you go straight into uh, you know, a commercial premise? We actually started brewing for ourselves at home to just tinker around with different teas and flavors and how we wanted the kombucha to, to taste. So we were first kind of looking for a recipe in our own kitchen. So we weren't selling anything. We were just giving it to friends and family. And uh, then we were looking for a commercial space to brew because in Germany there is a lot of red tape. It's actually not very easy to to start a business because there's so many laws and regulations that you have to abide by. So we, um, in the end, we were quite lucky and we found a space in a university that had a startup incubator and they were willing to rent us a little space in their basement so we could do our experiments and brew kombucha that we could then actually sell because in Germany it's not allowed to sell something. We're not allowed to sell things that we make in our own kitchens. It's got to be produced in a space that's been checked by the government for health and safety. And uh, so we found this base in at the university and we set up shop with smaller jars I think the first jars we brewed in were 15 liter jars and we upgraded to 50 liters and um, then we upgraded to 300 liters and what then happened is we quickly realized that brewing bigger batches isn't the same as brewing in smaller jars so we had to actually at some point even tip the entire kombucha we had made because it had just really gone off. It wasn't salvageable. So we had to tip it and buy a new scoby online and start afresh. Oh, that was a, one of the early challenges you had to overcome. And, and I understand you're now, you're now established. You, you're selling. You, you got your government approval, presumably. And you told me you're in a, a, a very convenient space that used to be a butcher shop. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah, that's right. We were really lucky to find a space. We've been looking for uh, almost two years to find the right space for our brewery that's not too expensive, that's close by, that's tiled, ideally with a cold room. And so this this butcher's place fit the brief perfectly. So it was a really, it was a stroke of luck to find it. And now we've mm-hmm. set up and we're brewing, and it it just feels great to, to have the brewery nearby, because obviously the kombucha needs a lot of love and a lot of care and attention, and uh, having it around the corner makes it so much easier to produce an amazing product. Yeah. So so what? what so you 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 started this journey in nineteen in twenty seventeen. 
when did you actually, when were the first bottles on the shops uh, in Munich? What, what was your official kind of, when people could purchase commercial Kumbu uh, fizz? We had our first client in 2018, actually, the in spring 2018, we, we had our first client because we had very small batches. We only had the one client and uh, we sold them our kombucha. But shortly after, unfortunately, we had that mishap where we had to bin everything we had and uh, start afresh. So that one client had to actually wait a little bit for us to, to deliver again. And uh, I think the first batches we sold were also quite vinegary, <laughs> so they weren't the best kombucha. And uh, what we're doing these days is, is a lot better, and it's, it's really interesting to see how it all developed and how people actually drank it despite our first few batches that we sold being quite vinegary. Right. And um, so today, what, what flavors? I, I, I know your website is all in German. Uh, I did a little translation, but I think you, what, you have four flavors, is that right, of kombucha? Yes, we have three regular ones, which are original ginger and lemon and also mint. And uh, we do seasonal ones. So we aim to do four to five seasonal flavors each year. In the winter, we had orange and cinnamon, but we stopped that because I think it's almost February now and people don't really want to drink anything Christmassy anymore. So uh, we're working on the next seasonal flavor, which is going to be turmeric and lime. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it sounds like um, right now, then, is it, is it, uh, are you distributing bottles? Do you do any kegs so people can get kombucha on draft or on tap? In theory, they could, and we've got um, like a, let's call it a kegerator that we can actually put in retail premises, but so far, people haven't really asked for it yet. I think the German kombucha market is not established enough to sell kombucha on tap. So at the moment, we sell bottles. We sell in our online shop. We sell them in six packs. And when we deliver to restaurants and cafes or yoga studios, we deliver in uh, 20 bottle cases. And how are online sales going? Are you finding you do get many online orders? We do get online orders, yes, absolutely. And it's an interesting avenue because people don't have to lug the heavy bottles home. So I think it's really convenient for people who want to drink kombucha to either buy online or just you know, do a subscription model where they just um, get kombucha sent to them on a weekly or monthly basis without them having to reorder it actively. And, and do you ship that to different regions of Germany, or is it pretty much in the Munich area? No, we ship all across Germany. We ship into Austria as well, currently. That's only just started. Um, yeah, that's working quite that's well, great. and it's also an interesting market. But I think to start with, we, when it comes to um, selling commercially to cafes and restaurants and, and yoga studios, we're going to start tapping into the Munich market, first of all, before we expand. 
Yeah. Well, I want to circle back with something you mentioned in passing, which I'm very curious to know more about. You said both you and Andreas, your mothers, or was it your mothers or your grandmothers had kombucha in the refrigerator? Is this common in Germany? Is it uh, something everybody's mother kind of knew how to make from way back? Well, actually, in the 90s, there was a bit of a kombucha craze in Germany. So people did drink kombucha. And when you speak to people who are not millennials, <laughs> and, um, they, they usually know kombucha or their mothers have had it or their grandmothers had it on their fridges. So it's something that people know of. A lot of people don't have a great association with it because normally that stuff our mother's brewed was quite vinegary and it's not very delicious. So a lot of people are apprehensive when it comes to trying kombucha. And then they try ours and then they seem to be pleasantly surprised that it's this delicious, tart, sparkling drink and not this sort of vinegary shot that they had to down after breakfast. So what you're and saying, also was it more of a... Was it more of a medicinal thing? I've heard that certain parts of Europe, it was more of a medicinal, something you took, you know, where you sort of hold your nose and swallow it because it's good for you as opposed to what we're used to today. Is that what you're talking about with the, your mothers and grandmothers? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes they would sort of catch it at a point where it wasn't too vinegary yet, but usually it just stood on top of the fridge and kind of was forgotten about until they remembered or we maybe had a cold or the sniffles and, and they thought, oh, yes, I'll just give them some kombucha. That's going to, you know, make things right. And it was very much uh, something that had medicinal properties in, in people's minds attached to it, and as, as it does, but it's not something we're allowed to market in Germany because of the whole health claims problem. So we couldn't even write on it that it's probiotic or it contains... We can say it contains organic acids, but we're not allowed to say what they do. Right. Yeah, I know the labeling laws do do get uh, they're very different around the world. So, with your customers today, are you you mentioned millennials who would be certainly a big market in yoga studios and so on? Are there are there older people? I mean, do you find your customers across the board and? different age groups, or is there any particular characteristic that you've known? Do you know, it's actually throughout all the age groups, there's kids who love it. Normally when we do tastings somewhere, the kids love it. They keep coming back for more um, because they're just naturally drawn to slightly tart, effervescent beverages. It's just um, something that obviously people should be drinking because it's it's fermented and it's it's good for us. You know, before we had fridges, we had to ferment our food to make it last throughout the winter and early spring when there was no fresh produce. So it's something that humans are supposed to eat. And I think instinctively we're drawn to these kind of foods who are slightly tart and effervescent. And so the children love it. And, you know, people beyond 60 and 70 love it. So... It's it's all across the board, or they hate it. Yeah. You know, it's very much like coriander, or um, I think cilantro. They call it in the U.S. It's it's like a love hate thing. People drink kombucha, and they you can either see their eyes light up, or they pull a face because you can't hide it. If you don't like the kombucha, then 
people do pull a face, even if they politely say, oh, yeah, it's, it's nice. You can tell that they didn't like it. But, you know, from our response, I think 80% of people who try our kombucha actually like it. Yeah, I, I'm smiling to myself because I, growing up in England, I, you might or might not know about the spread that you put on toast and bread called Marmite. It's a black paste. Oh, and people either love it or hate it. I love Marmite. Yeah. I think you have to have it as a child before you're like four years old. And, and yeah. actually they use it as a yardstick for politicians. They say, this politician is more like Marmite. You either love yeah. him or hate him. Or whatever. And what you're that's saying right. is with kombucha, I, I, I think that's true. I, although I think people can, unlike Marmite, you're not going to try it again if you don't like it. But I think with kombucha, no. I've heard of people who didn't like the first taste and gradually, you know, maybe they start off with a more flavored, sweeter one and, and work yes. into it. Yes, that's why we've got the different flavors as well uh, that people can start with, for example, the ginger and lemon kombucha because that's the kombucha flavor is masked a little bit by the strong ginger flavor in, in the drink. So it's, it's a really good gateway kombucha for people to actually ease their way into drinking kombucha. So as well as brewing commercially, uh, do you have ways of supporting home brewers in the region? Absolutely, we do. We do offer workshops where we teach people how to brew their own kombucha at home because it's not difficult to brew kombucha at home, but it's not easy to brew good kombucha at home that's actually enjoyable to drink. So we figured we would like to teach workshops to educate people on kombucha and also to interact with our customers and get direct feedback from people. And those workshops are great fun. And, um, yeah, they're, they're really cool. We love doing them. That's great. So every month people in Munich can come by and uh, you, can they, do, you, do you give them a SCOBY or sell them a SCOBY to start them off? They, they get a SCOBY when they join the workshop. The SCOBY is included in the price. So what they do is they go to our website, they book uh, online for the next workshop, and then they turn up. They will get a SCOBY. They also get detailed instructions on how to brew at home so they don't even have to take notes. And uh, what we do is we, first of all, we talk about the history of kombucha very briefly, then we talk about health benefits and ingredients, what ingredients to use, which ones not to use, some do's and don'ts about brewing. And then we actually show how to brew kombucha. So we do one batch there, and then everybody gets some kombucha in a swing top bottle, and then we bring some fruit and some herbs and spices that they can chop up, and they can put it into their bottles and uh, take the bottles home, take their own SCOBY home with the instructions, and then they can get brewing. Now, now some people in different industries might think this is incredible because they'll say, well, aren't you cutting your uh, market here? You're trying to sell people commercial kombucha. Why are you, treat, why are you teaching them to tr make their own instead of buying yours? What would be your answer well, to that? It's actually quite simple because people, there are people who love to make things themselves and there's people who don't. And I think by offering workshops and by selling kombucha in bottles as well, we 
address both of those types of customers because if people know they can brew at home, they are probably not willing to spend quite a lot of money for a bottle of kombucha in the shop because it's quite easy to make at home. And on the other side, if someone's really busy and they don't really fancy brewing tea and fussing around with the SCOBY, they're the ones who are just happy to grab a bottle and go. So I think it's actually increasing the amount of customers that we can interact with and, and get to drink kombucha. Right, right. And now you did mention when you went to the first months, you got the idea, you went to London, met Adam at Jar Kombucha. Are you finding people are now coming to you in, in, and finding, trying to find out what, are you helping other people uh, launch kombucha in different parts of Germany? Well, what we found is that because we're the first kombucha brewers in Munich um, to this day, but there's more people interested in starting kombucha brands here in the region, and they do contact us, they do reach out, or we are being connected by by other kombucha, uh, by other guys in the industry that those people who want to start a business here reach out to. So we we do chat to people, we do tell them about our journey, we do tell them about the highs and lows. So yeah, it's we're, we're always happy to you know pay it forward. We've received a lot of help in the past, and we're always happy to take time to talk to other aspiring brewers. To, you know, That's great to know. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think that will only help you because I think it's true. You know, like here in California, there's 20 brands in the shops. If and and you know, some people prefer one brand or the other. But if the if the consumers see more kombucha, I think they're going to accept it more, and that'll help everybody. Um, what about the future? What plans do you and Andreas have for? growing your company or do you have anything you can predict if you had to look you've been in business about two years this much if you had to look two years into the future where where do you hope to be well what we really want to do is we want to build we want to have built an established successful kombucha brewery by then and it's it's our aim to build a company that doesn't just make a profit, but that's also sustainable and, you know, shouldering some responsibility for society. Like we want to give people, disadvantaged people, an opportunity to work with us or for us. And we'd like to obviously work in a sustainable manner for the planet. We chose our bottles specifically because they will be refilled uh, and they can be given back in every supermarket. In Germany, we have a deposit system for bottles. So when you buy a beer or something in a glass bottle or plastic bottle or a can, you will be charged a deposit for it. And when you return the bottle at a bottle bank, you will get the money back. Mm. And so we've specifically chosen our bottle to be one that is refillable, to be as environmentally friendly as possible because obviously destroying glass isn't very energy efficient. And so we're trying to build a business that we can be proud of, that our children can be proud of, and uh, build our own dream rather than someone else's. Yeah, and you I told me you also, you, you also cycle to, you can cycle to your, uh, to your brewery, so you, you're not burning <laughs> petrol to get to work and back. Absolutely. Yeah. And what we also want to do is we want to show our children that it's possible to to live your dream and to, 
you know, do what you love rather than being stuck in the back office of some big corporate if that's not what you want to do. So you can just go after your dreams and just, you know, be brave and, and follow your path. Well, that's great, uh, Sophia. I really appreciate the time you spent and uh, good luck to, the, to both, all of you in building a good business. Yeah, thank you very much. And I just want to say that if there's any kombucha brewers in, in the Munich area or in Germany who just at the beginning and who want to have a chat, then they can feel free to call us and reach out. We're happy to to share the love. <laughs> That's great to know. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.